Hello, friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philobom. Hello, friends. We are thrilled to be back. Whether it's your first time listening to our podcast or you've listened to every single episode, we are so glad that you're here. There are so many ways to support There's No People Like Show People. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This really helps us out. Follow us on Instagram at There's No People Like Show People and check out our sister podcast called Transformation, the Untold Stories of Motherhood at Transformation Motherhood Pod. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. Honest storytelling is truly transformative and what we need most in the world is community and connection. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Merry Christmas, ho, 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 happy holidays, and um, God bless us, everyone. I am calling the title of this episode Christmas in July because our guest today, she is extra festive. She's so festive. We met, gosh, over a decade ago doing the national tour of A Christmas Carol. But tonight we bring you to Florida, which is the home of alligators, swamps, lizards, mega magical theme parks. And our guest today, she is a Renaissance queen. A performer, a director, comedian. Uh, she has traveled the country. She like she really does it all. Like what what else? She is also the performing arts coordinator and stage director at Pyramid Inc. And friends, she is a witch who will sell you a wand. Welcome to the podcast, Betsy Bauer. God bless us everyone. <laughs> Sarah Philobom, what am I doing on your podcast? This is amazing. Um, you, you are me. You are a star. <laughs> That's why you're oh here. My God. Like, how are you tonight? <laughs> I am well, I'm so excited to be on this podcast with you to see your shining face over zoom i was thinking today because you know we see each other on facebook we you know little likes here and there you know i follow you i'm like in awe of you uh what you're doing uh your family and uh your job and the tap dancing happy happy national tap dance day by the way last week yep yes i yep. uh, and i was thinking about you and then I, I you know i hardly think about the connection of a christmas carol but yeah we have that for sure mm -hmm. but every time i think of about you i see your shining smiling face there's no way to think about sarah Philobom and not see you smile oh yeah, I've never seen a like a resting bitch face from you. Um, I know you got it. I know you got it. But you never, you know, you just you keep it, and you know, you just keep it moving. You're you're a fighter. I love it. Thank you. So Thank yeah, you. I try. I try to find the the laughs in life. I try to. I'm like, what is even if something is tragic or sad or doesn't really go as planned? I'm like. But what what is funny about this situation, <laughs> you know? So right, everything, yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. It's um, insanity is also hilarious because mm -hmm. what the what's going on? What is going on? Right. I have I have no idea. I have no clue. I don't know. I don't know. But we're doing it. 
Yeah, we're yeah, we're doing it. Um, I don't are you originally from Florida or did you grow up somewhere else? And like how did you first get into theater? And do you remember the very first show that you ever did? Yeah, I am originally from New York and uh I took it I took for granted that I'm I, I grew up in a town 20 minutes northwest of the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had all the resources right there at my fingertips. I I didn't know how lucky I was until I uh, grew up. Grew up. I left New York. It was all right there, you know. When I was a kid, uh, when I when you would see New York City in movies and whatnot, um, I uh, just assumed that I. Uh, Everybody had that. Everybody saw their towns or whatever. Uh, I just didn't know how lucky I was. Um, and then how I started theater, I I think I was around three when I saw uh, there was a PBS. It was on PBS. Uh, it was some kind of opera version of Oklahoma. Um, uh, I think it was a show like that. My 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 family uh, was not in the performing arts. My family is blue collar, um, salt to the earth, um, down to earth. I was very like, what is this child? They didn't know what to do with me because I was dramatic, eccentric, and uh, just just different. Um, but my mom caught me watching this thing on PBS, and she's like, Betsy, what are you watching? And she she was watching me watch it. She knew then that there was something different. And uh, I started I started in the performing arts because I walked on my toes till I was five. And my mom was concerned. And the doctor just said, you know, put her in ballet classes. She'll plie, she'll come down on her heels, you know, and it started from there. And then the first show that I was ever in, I, you know, I was church. I was an angel in a Christmas show. I was probably four. And then maybe by five or six, I played Tiny Tim, full circle. (laughs) I played Tiny Tim, obviously, before I could read. And I do remember my mom having me sit on her lap and we went through the script. This was for church went through the script and just reciting the lines to me and me repeating them over and over and just memorizing the lines that way. That was the first show that I was ever in. And then I was just full on. What's that? Hmm. No, I I said, nice. That's, I didn't know that you had had that connection with a Christmas Carol when you were so young. I didn't realize it either until I I was thinking about you today and and it's like oh yeah I guess the very first thing I ever did with like with lines was uh, a Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my brother played Marley, and that that's totally appropriate. <laughs> and then from there, like, when did you know that this was going to be such a big part of your life? Like, did you ever see yourself? being in the arts and doing a bunch of shows like throughout your life immediately immediately as soon as i started taking dance classes i wanted more mm-hmm. uh I, it started with ballet added on all the other different forms of dance then by age 10 i was taking the acting and uh, the improv, and then by 13, I was taking the singing. And then um, I was in a, a dance company. That was my first professional thing when I was a teenager. And then I did summer programs when I was a teenager. And But immediately, I, I was around like-minded people. Um, I, I think I... I I have always been a storyteller, mm-hmm. and I think I get that from my dad. Uh, the arts is, I, it's just the way I'm wired. And 
if I'm not performing or if not creating, I should put it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't need to perform, but I need to create. I need to be around it somehow. Um, I just, it, it comes so naturally. It's just like breathing. Uh, and if I'm not, if I'm not doing it, I might as well not even exist. It's just who I am. It's my makeup. Yeah. What, like, what do you, what do you think are some of the things that you have really struggled with when it comes to your artist journey? It can be personally or professionally. What has been really hard? Early on, because, you know, I'm 47, so it's been a long journey, you know, even though I'm still like crazy young at heart and all that, um, has taken me a lot to get to the mindset where I am now. And I, when I was younger, uh, self-esteem, big lack of self-confidence. It didn't matter what performances I did or what I was casted in or accepted at, or how many times my mom said how good I was. It, it didn't matter because I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. So I, that, the, that I think is my biggest struggle. And also the business sense of it all. Um, I wasn't a go-getter. And again, that, that is coming from not believing that I deserve to be where I am because I don't believe that I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Deep down. Now, you know, 25 years later, I do believe it, Uh, but it took a lot of work. So just going into auditions and cattle calls and um, I did the hustle. I did a little bit and I hated it. The, you know, when I was living in New York City, I would wake up you know, when the sun was just coming up, God, or even before that, get myself down there, sign up for an audition. Then I would either go home and wait or I'd go to work and then come back on my lunch break and see where they were. And I was like number 387. I couldn't stand all of that. I couldn't stand being around all these other people, that the noise of it all, I immediately thought, what am I doing here? There, I, there's no way. Like, look at them. Look at me. The comparisons, this and that. I just didn't trust what I have, and I had to take several detours in order for me to get to where I am now and how I think now. I uh, and uh, no. Uh, what I'm capable of. Yeah. So I think it's what I struggled with was the business part of it, of uh, not being a hustler and um, lack of, of uh, believing in myself. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's, I mean, I really struggled with that as well and still do a little bit to this day. Um, not, not feeling good enough for whatever opportunities were handed to me or not going to auditions because I didn't think I was going to book the show or, you know, whatever. It's that voice in your head that constantly tells you like, oh, well, you're not going to get that or you're not good enough or you're not talented enough or, you know, whatever, like all this bullshit that your brain makes up big time and then also with that it's 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 not personal even though it is personal it's personal because it's you they you they do not want you for their project so it is personal in that sense but it's not personal because you're just not right for it and that's it And that's what you have to remember is that it is just, ultimately, it is a business. You're just not right for that job. Sorry. You know, on to the next thing. A friend of mine gave me great advice. The best time to audition things and to go for things is when you're already working on something. Mm -hmm. Because you're already distracted. You're already involved in a project. You're already this and that. And it's like, oh, should I audition thing coming up? Um, Okay, let me go over that real quick. You go in there. 
you know, you do your thing, you wow them, you know, you give them your personality, you do your 16 bars or whatever. And then, uh, cool. Thank you so much. Um, you don't hear from them. All right. Well, back to my thing that I've been working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stay busy. Yeah. That's great advice because you don't, you don't really have the time to overthink it. You just do it. Right. You definitely, you know, you walk away from it. Uh, I mean, I no, whatever audition I would, uh, afterwards, boy, it was so much like working up for it, working up for it, you know, and get in there and that, you know, 60 seconds and then you leave and it's like, oh, I, I should have done. Did they like that part? Uh, I think it went really well. Excuse me. I drank a Pepsi before I was talking to you. So I'm gonna <laughs> um, and I knew it too. I was like, just stick with water or tea. And it's like, no, I really want that Pepsi. Um, so I'd be pillaging. <laughs> and no regrets. Uh, but you, but you, you know, you dissect it. You dissect it. Man, there were, there were auditions. Now thinking back, now that we're talking about all this, auditions that I freaking nailed. And, and you know, I would get more confident and a little brazen uh going for these big uh productions and auditioning for it and getting a call back and doing the callback and doing well at the callback and then thank you and not here and when i i remember i went at the callback they were like all right that's all we need to see thank you and i said to him really because i'm nailing it like i'm so like this is what this is exactly what i do what do you talk okay Wow. Okay. Yeah. Shit. So I don't know, man. I don't, it's whatever it is, but you just keep plugging away. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. You know, you, you don't get one thing or a hundred things. You're like, well, next on to the next, on to the next thing, the next audition, the next, on to the next. yeah. The next submission, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It is a constant audition. It is a constant job interview. Yeah doing this work is when you gig it's it's uh it's just constantly it's like going door-to-door -door salesman you're constantly selling yourself mm -hmm. so then yeah. how how did you end up in florida and like let's talk about all of the 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 florida things that you've been working on over the past you know a couple of oh years yeah let's talk about florida <laughs> oh god uh somebody get me out of here um <laughs> i <laughs> i uh so new york after new york i i went to school out in rhode island i came back to new york i, I moved into the city then i was actually i moved to toronto i was up in canada that was another chapter of my life i was up there for almost six years um did some theater up there uh um love canada love toronto then i moved to florida my 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 parents had moved down here mm -hmm. um at the time i was married uh who's he's still my best friend one of my best friends um he needed to get his citizenship that's how we landed in florida because my parents were here i needed a base to land wasn't planning on staying which is what you're you'll hear a lot of people that move to florida we yeah. you know we're moving down to florida for about a year that's what that's usually the plan and then when i said that to people who have been who was who said the same thing they're like yeah okay and it's kind of like quicksand it's once you get down here i don't know but then also my career that's when it started to blossom i started to get gigs um not only uh children's theater stuff but uh like dinner theater stuff i uh, started doing musicals and i was living at the time close to orlando and anyone who's a performer down here will tell you that you are six degrees from everybody everybody knows everybody here Mm -hmm. uh, you got the Fort Myers um, section, you, you know, certainly Orlando is like the Mecca, 
you got um, a little bit over in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, it's scattered. It's uh, there's there's a lot of between the theme parks and the dinner theaters and the regional theaters. There is a lot going on down here. So I got busy doing that. And, and Florida actually um, allowed me to be able to pay my rent, pay my mortgage, pay my bills um, and still be performing. Um, comfortably you know i wasn't a starving actor like i was up in new york um or even in toronto i was still you know waitressing when i first got down here uh but i was able to breathe a little bit more right yeah yeah nice and then um let's talk about harry potter Harry Potter world. And we can also talk about um, all, I feel like you've done many, many a Renaissance festival. Yeah. So the, the, the Harry Potter stuff, I, I'm a, a wand keeper at Harry Potter world uh, at Universal Studios. And I love my job there. I've been there now for, is it, eight years 2014 nine years yeah nine years nine years yeah uh, i was one of the first female wand keepers Ooh. which was like a big thing because yeah the the wand keepers were these men you know because olivander was a man and all of that and then they were talking about bringing on female wand keepers and there was a buzz about it and well how's that going to be how's that going to look what's the vibe going to be uh so i don't know it was maybe like maybe 13 or 15 of us females and you know you, you, like women in all aspects of uh you know in, in any job situation we have to make sure that we are not just show that we're capable that but you know that we do a kick-ass job uh it was six weeks of intensive training to know these wands uh, to know the core of it i mean the book that they give you to to learn about all that stuff and you take it very seriously because the fans are fanatics so mm -hmm. you got to know your stuff and it's no pun intended it's so magical what you do that that job and i uh, it will you know people sometimes you know, you, you it's interactive with the audience and you choose somebody out of the audience to bring into your show. And um, most times I'll bring uh, up a, a, a kid, usually aim for like 11, 12, eh, maybe 13 age. Um, sometimes I go a little younger if I know that they can handle it. But the best is when you select an adult and they're the real ones. They're the ones that read all the books and watched all the movies and grew up with it. So when you select them and when the wand chooses them and the lights go and the fan blows and the music happens and, the, you know, you've been chosen and you see them well up with tears and you tell them why this wand is for them because this wand does this because you're a wizard that does that. And it's... Uh, you get goosebumps and I love it. They recently, uh, we learned thir there's 13 wands and they recently, the 13 wands that I knew for nine years, they decided let's bring in 13 new wands. So the 13 wands that you knew, like the back of your hand is no longer. So here you go. So do you really still want to work here at Universal? Well, you better learn these ones and, you know, get approved. So, you know, nine years later, I'm doing, I'm like full time at a job. I'm doing this, that, and the other, and I got to learn these 13 wands. And then, you know, you, you um, a lot of times at theme parks to rehearse and then to train to get approved, you do it at night when the park is closed. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's like, do if, do I really want to keep this job? Yeah, I really, really, really do. So um, I did it. I studied the, the new wands. I made them my best friends and all their cores and capabilities. And I just worked there last weekend and I kept my job. So there I am making magical memories still. I really, I really do love that gig. And then the Ren Fair, 
uh, stuff. I've been doing that for about 20 years. And that, I have to say, uh, changed me and made me a better person and a much better performer because uh, it is all interactive. You know, there's a skeleton script, but what I do is comedy, like a sketch show, like a trunk show, vaudeville style. And anything that you think could possibly be thrown at you has been. And you learn best by falling on your face. And it really only takes one time for an incident to happen to be like, whoop, now I know what I what to do the next time it happens. And I, mm-hmm. uh, you roll with things and improv. Uh, if you can improv, uh, you're lucky because it just it helps you with life. Uh, you know, I I've taken what I've learned from Renaissance festivals and doing that format and with that audience that you have such a intimate connection to and to then when I would go to an audition for say Disney which I mean I say that Disney is like renaissance festivals on steroids it's the (laughs) same kind of vibe it's like it's interactive it's charactery it's um street work I to have the chops to do like a 15 minute uh, improv set with a total stranger uh, and to make them and the audience laugh um, is a skill. And you only learn it by uh, not making them laugh. You figure it out, it's a recipe. Uh, So, you know, if I go in for like a, a an audition for Disney or whatever or what, whatever, even a job interview or handling a life situation that I really don't want to make this phone call, I don't want to, you know. Um, I my character whose name is Pearl, uh, I'm part of the washing well wenches. Um, that it's a it's an all female troupe that's been on the circuit for like I don't know thirty five years. Um, I, I, um, will tap into what would Pearl do and Pearl doesn't give a shit. Pearl would kick down the door and be like, I'm here and that's it. You know, this is it. I remember, um, uh, auditioning for something, uh, pretty big and they said, what, like, what is this? What is this one renaissance that you do? What, what kind of show is it? I just said hilarious. It's a hilarious show. <laughs> and it's really working at fairs and also the community aspect of it all. It's a beautiful thing. That being said, after 12 years, um, that road life, uh, my blood the road life blood has run thin. I'm older. I remember it was around year 14 that I was packing up the car because I would go from town to town and do gig to gig and be away for like four months and then dip back into my house and like take a shower, put my bags down, pet my um, significant other and my animals and then hit the road again. That life at around 14 years was no longer extinct. It was more of a, here we go again, packing up the car and leaving my home base and getting to the gig and yeah. So I love it, but I'm starting to organically fade out of that chapter. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, would yeah. would you tell our listeners a little bit about Pyramid Inc? Yeah, so fading out of the gig life, what happened was a pandemic. Yeah, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but it was it was a big thing. Uh, and during the pandemic, industry shut down. So here we all are, um, out of work. And so what's next? And so I went on unemployment, which took forever. Mm -hmm. And then 
once I was on unemployment, um, I learned that I was going to go crazy if I don't do something artistically soon. And so I started to look for work. I didn't even know where to look for work. I, I knew how to audition. I didn't know where to. So I asked someone, they were like, you know, go to indeed.com, go to this website, this website. Okay, so there was a job listing for a dance instructor for adults with disabilities. I thought, well, I, you know, I could teach, I could definitely teach dance to, you know, I can't do it college level, but I could do it, you know, for someone with a, a disability. I don't know. I don't know what that's like, but I'm, I'm going to shoot for it. And they were interested. And I started with that. Uh, within three months, they promoted me to uh, as the coordinator, uh, performing arts coordinator. And so Pyramid Inc. is a facility. There's actually five in the state of Florida. There are facilities for, it's a daytime facility for adults with mental and physical disabilities mm -hmm. where they go from eight to 3.30, uh, give or take. It's a school, it's a school setting. And so, they learn life skills, uh, but the main focus is the the arts, visual and also performing arts. Very cool concept, uh, a beautiful mission statement. Um, check it out, um, pyramidinc.com and, and, or is it .org? Oh, damn it. I think it's org. <laughs> I don't know. I just work there. I just work there. I'm just in charge of stuff. So I quickly, I quickly became, and that's the thing too. So I was, I went from the stage to all of a sudden running stuff and being a boss and being in charge of things. And now as a coordinator, you get caseloads. What? I don't know how to, what is Excel? Who knows? Somebody better show me how to use, do you know that there's Xerox machines that also has a stapler? in there like amazing i was and so in my head i thought well now you're playing the part of a performing <laughs> arts coordinator this yep. is your new role and you fake it till you make it the interesting thing was that it was completely in my wheelhouse and i'm really good at it and i went in with no inhibition or preconceived notions because this was not my field so you're dealing dealing you're working with uh people I'll, I'll put it this way so i got hired and it's like okay so you know the facility is closed right now during the pandemic but if you'd like to start meeting the clientele you're welcome to go to their homes and so okay so i came up with this whole choreography as a dance instructor of um dancing in the streets okay and I went into my first day of work. And as soon as I opened the door, whatever I planned was out the window. There is no way that this is going to happen. And that's when I tapped into my improv skills and um, everything that I have in like up my sleeve, in my bag, all of my experience. All right, what are we gonna do with this? Well, what are we gonna do with this situation? Well. We have a radio, we have music. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna just play music. And then I got a bag of instruments and I was able to get someone who could move their hand, move their wrist and to hold on to a maraca for 10 seconds and shake it. Wow. Or someone who uh, has a high, is, um, high behavior, um, you know, it's the whole gamut of, of what you can think of uh, right. with a population and someone who um, <clears throat> has uh, intense behaviors. Uh, and I didn't know to the extent why well, taught him a, um, a dance number to um, a Bruno Mars song. Um, what's that song? Da -da 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 
What's that song, Sarah? I have no idea. <laughs> what what is that song? Oh crap. I'm gonna it remember sounds, as soon as we get there. It sounds good. Anyway, <laughs> you learn this whole routine. And so the corporate and the people in charge, the higher ups, were wowed. I uh, and then, you know, after working there for a couple of weeks, I saw his behavior. I'm like, oh my God. I didn't know. I didn't know it was that intense. Mm-hmm. Also, with all that, you're trained. You're trained to uh what to do with that you know also i do personal care so there's assisting with feeding there's a personal change and all of that and i don't mind any of it and i it's very i'm a nurturer so it came second nature and i have this gift where i can tap into people i can see what they are capable of deep down and I'm able to bring it out. I'm like a miracle worker. Sarah, I'm a pillar of the community. I, <laughs> I, uh, there's so many stories I could tell you. Um, I had this one client who, uh, she had been in jail or prison or something. She, her hair, she slumped over her hair is usually in front of her face. She scratches, she's ornery. Um, I worked with her uh, gently and I put on a song, uh, Fleetwood Mac, that Fleetwood Mac song, um, thunder only happens when it's raining, whatever that song is. This woman, raised her head, brushed her hair out of her face. I gave her a maraca because she started to sing for a microphone. The woman stood up and started to sing word for word. She was like nonverbal. She's singing the the lyrics. I almost fell out of my chair. There are people who are nonverbal, but can sing um, burn, burn, burn ring of fire ring of fire and so that is our goal if he can sing the verse of uh johnny cash ring of fire i uh, moments like that and then i also have high functionings uh, my my people who are autistic that blow me away it's like a superhero power that they have uh, and to be able to work with them and how do their brains work. Um, and we just put on, uh, so I've done several productions with Pyramid Inc. And uh, we just finished a show a couple weeks ago where I incorporated, my boss was like, for like the next project, she's like, well, write what you know. And it's like, yeah, write what I know, Renaissance festivals. So I did a 30 minute show um, that was Renaissance Festival themed. And so I had a maypole dance and to get people with a disability to to weave in and out and under and over each other with a ribbon on a maypole. Um, And, you know, I taught them this song, it's called Health to the Company, also called The Parting Glass. It's very wordy. And man, if these people didn't get it, they, they, they not only got it, they nailed it. And the trick is repetition. And that's what I know when I would um, memorize my lines, just like when mom had me on her lap, when I'm learning those lines as Tiny Tim, when I couldn't read, it's going over it and over it and over it. And then take a break, let these people get a drink of water, get a snack, walk away from it. Your brain has to walk away from it. And then after 20 minutes, let's get back into it again and go over it. And even though you think that they, it might be tedious, they love it. They love it. They can't wait to get back to work. We have an event coming up next weekend called Family Cafe. It's in Orlando. It's a convention for people with disabilities. Uh, I went last year without any students. I just went on my own with the company to check it out. 
unbelievable. It's a convention center for kids and adults with disabilities from um, adaptive equipment, wheelchairs, the new up and coming device to help people write by you like pressing a button with the back of their head to I uh, lectures and workshops and um, uh, companies in Florida. I met companies that were out in California as well, performing. Um, I, I went and saw a bunch of performances from uh, different companies, um, uh, choruses, uh, dancing, improv. So we're actually, my students are participating next weekend I we're doing what we did at this show that I was just talking about for the, the the Renaissance Festival theme. I did tack on a parasol dance because I'm insane. So these people have had like 10 days to learn this new dance because I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I like props and I thought that they could do it and they're they are doing it. But this week starting Monday is going to be like, oh, my God. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they got four days to really get it. Friday, we hit the road at like nine in the morning. We get to Orlando. We set up, we check in the hotel, and by 2.30 p.m. is their first performance. Oh, my God. Okay, Betsy, I just have to say, you are amazing, and I am... <gasps> I am so proud of you. Like knowing, like seeing the the Betsy Bauer transformation over like the last decade. And so to like who we were when we were yeah. on that crazy wild Christmas Carol tour to like who we are now, it is like right. night and day differences. I know we're like adults <laughs> that are actually handling responsibility and being accountable and yes doing it but still staying you know a kid at heart and having fun with that and like like when I when we first started this conversation me saying about you like um always upbeat uh for the most part as far as I know you and uh smiling and you got to roll with it. You got to roll with the punches. And, you know, if you don't laugh about it, you might as well cry about it. Um, yeah. So we, we keep all that essence with us, but we're definitely handling our shit now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and definitely in much better and healthier ways than we were handling it back in the day. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Since, truly. Thank God. A lot of growth here. A lot of growth over the years. Um, since you are in a position of leadership, one of the biggest topics of this podcast this summer is all about leadership. And like, how do you want to see the theater world, the arts community change? How do you want to see leadership change? And just like, how can our leaders do better? How can they be held more accountable? And how can they take more action? Uh, yeah, I didn't know that I was a leader. I, uh, I, I remember, and actually there are people on the Christmas Carol tour that pointed it out to me that when I spoke, people listened and I didn't want that. I like to stay under the radar because like what we just kind of tapped into living a different lifestyle, I didn't want eyes on me when I'm not on stage. So um, I wanted to F off a lot of the times. I, but learning that I, I, I am a leader and I think what's important is you have to listen. You have to, you have to be a good listener to people, to everyone. Um, you need intelligence to grasp what the situation is. You have to be real about it. You have to be secure of who you are so that you're not afraid to then um, uh, make decisions, to trust your decisions. 
So secure of who you are, you have to be firm with your decisions. Uh, fair also, understanding, understanding, but um, that doesn't mean that you're going to go with what somebody wants. You have to understand where they're coming from and then make it as comfortable as possible for everyone involved. Uh, you have to be able to multitask. I have ADD, so perfect. I can do a bunch of stuff at once. Doesn't mean that I don't procrastinate until the very last second. And then I get amazing. In 15 minutes, I get everything done that I was supposed to get done for the past month. Um, <laughs> you have to be strategic. Uh, you have to be able to plan and I think of it a lot like I feel like a colonel uh, or a sergeant or more of a colonel, I guess. Ah, <laughs> war, like um, what's my what's my next move? But before I make that move, wait, let's just look at the whole big picture here. That's the goal. So what's the best way to go about it? And then you're going to change your mind because then it's like, oh, wait, no, wait. If we hold on a second, if we do it this way, though, that's even better. Don't be hasty wait and really think things through when you're a leader um and you have to be so secure with yourself to be able to delegate let go of control and put people that you trust in control of situations there is no way that you can do everything even though everything that you want to do you know that you're going to do it the way you want to do it and the best way you think possible you can't you can't you have to be able to say i need you to do it like this i need do me a favor um i need you to blah 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 and then when they come back and if they don't do it exactly how you want it's like mm, actually okay how about what i was thinking of is more like this got it okay and then uh, if you're lucky enough, if you delegate to somebody who totally gets it, it's like, oh, my God, you're a blessing. Thank you so much. You have to. There's no way you can do everything. And then um, as far as like the theater, like where I would like theater to. I would like theater to become more accessible for everyone. The arts in general are so important. I. The theater and the arts, whether it's visual and painting to tap dance to um, my true love, which is straight up theater and improv. To be able to normalize the arts for everyone, for, you know, Joe, who uh, grew up in a family that's all sports oriented, um, I to uh adults in in the workforce that work in a, a cubicle or you know uh, administrative work to and then to outside of all of that to integrate arts into everything um uh, my line of work with people with disabilities these people people with disabilities for the most part of their lives are told where to go what to do, when to do it, how to do it. When you give them choices and say like, and, and also they have, sometimes they have good ideas for the show and they'll be like, you know, Miss Betsy, I think that we should, what about this? You know, most times I'm like, what? No, it's not going to work. But some, <laughs> but I will always stop and say, wait, what do you think? And they'll go, wow, that's actually, yeah, great idea. Yeah. Thank you. Um, to also settings of, um, uh, people who are less fortunate, um, I, uh, people who are in a jail uh, um, settings. It's amazing what theater and the arts do. It taps in, it makes people human, it humanizes everyone, it connects people. Um, it puts you into the shoes of someone else. And then it's also just playtime. It's like, let's dress up and pretend that we're not who we are for a second. And let's have some fun.
you know, fantasy. So I would like theater to be more accessible into schools, into public schools, into uh, jails, into the less fortunate. Um, it gives people a voice. Mm -hmm. It puts a mirror up to uh, of what is going on in society. It gives us a platform for conversation about what is going on and it can then connect us people who we don't agree with maybe on gosh a, on a political platform on a religious platform it helps us all to realize that we're all in this together uh, so we better figure it out we better work on it together yeah yeah Exactly. Agreed. Community. Bringing the, bringing the community. community. Yeah. Bringing the community together through, through storytelling. Through storytelling. Sharing, through sharing stories. Huge. Yep. So yep. important from the beginning of time, you know, uh, we got to be able to storytell. How else are we going to know what was the past? How else are we going to connect to one another? How else are we going to all get together? You know, yeah, absolutely. Storytelling and a form of expression. We all want to be heard. Mm -hmm. We all want to be acknowledged. Even when I waitressed and you, uh, I learned that when somebody enters a restaurant, all they want is some eye connection and I'll be with you in just a minute. We all want to be acknowledged. That's yep. all. And to be heard. We all want our voices heard. We all have a story. And it, they all should be told. <laughs> that Damn is it. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. Yes. Yep. So that I think that, you know, there's so much value in having these conversations and I've had so many conversations like this in the past, just, you know, in the dressing room or sitting around on the couch at the cast house, like after the show is over or on the tour bus or over the phone or wherever. And I'm like, well, why aren't we recording these so that the world can hear them and and maybe learn something new or not feel so alone in the world or, you know? Yes, I, like, I was thinking the same thing of not feeling alone. Like when I listen to podcasts, you know, if when I'm dealing with stuff, which is on the regular, um, I will go to, I will read blogs or I will listen to a podcast of whatever I'm struggling with to know that I'm not alone, that there's a support out there, that others are going through it. And it, whatever is the big thing that is echoing in my head becomes more like, oh, okay, others go through this too. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. you know, we all, we all go through the same kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I always like to end with a favorite theater memory or story? Do you have something that you would like to leave? Anything that sticks out can be from tour, can be, can be from anywhere, really. A favorite story. Oh, man. Um, a, a couple come to mind. Uh, at a, in a Christmas Carol, uh, in a Christmas Carol, I, it was the, uh, the Dilbert and, um, yeah. What's her face? Crow. What's the other name? Mm -hmm. What was it? Crow, Crow and Dilbert. Oh, yeah. Crow and Dilbert. So I was in that scene. And I was going through something personal. And I'm doing the scene. And I so I wasn't exactly 100% present. Because it was my line. And man, for the life of me, I didn't have it. No way. And I'm looking at my um, uh, a comedy partner and I'm looking at her face. No freaking way. Not even like an inkling. And, you know, those three seconds are feel like three days and the silence is so loud. And she's looking at me and she fed me my line and I was able to get back on track. That was terrifying. <laughs> um it 
a, a great memory is um, playing Yenta in Fiddler and being able to, I mean, a lot of being a character actress, as you know, you get to sit in the dressing room, you wait, you wait, you wait, all these people do all this work on stage, and then you come in and you steal the show and like one line and you leave with exit applause. And it's like, yep, love those moments. <laughs> but I have to say, the first thing that came to my mind, I think I was nine. Uh, no, it couldn't have been. I had to be older, maybe 11. And I went to go see Cats. And I, somebody brought me uh, because my family didn't have the money. Uh, but, but a friend brought me and I was in like, oh my gosh, the 10th row. And it's the part of the show where the cats would go, you know, this is in New York, and they would go into the theater, into the audience. <sighs> oh my God. And this, the one of the cats came over and I was wearing a pink dress with pink bows and it had, um, uh, rhinestones, uh, silver rhinestones, and it was a lacy and satin. And I had these, it was ballerina pink shoes, bows on the toes. And the cat played with the bow on my shoe. <laughs> and it, I was completely immersed in this. I, there was no more audience. There was no more show. It was this freaking massive cat playing with the bow on my shoe and ah oh, it was so magical it was just me and her it was just me and her and everything just blacked out and then she looked at me and we made a connection and i i remember i remember that feeling i can feel it right now and then you know she hopped back up on stage you know for her it's like her 3000 show whatever with this the 3000 kid that the shoe that she's playing with but for me i'll never forget her goosebumps <laughs> well yeah and in, so in my little um introduction when I was introducing you I forgot to say that you're also a cat mom now I'm you a have a you have a bunch of cats oh I'm a I'm crazy I, you know I've had dogs too but the cat thing I'm like bananas I have three it was once five the three mm -hmm. I have are sisters and they're named after the golden girls uh, my ex-husband named them their mother passed away over a year ago. That was like, the mother was the stray. I took the mother in, the mother got pregnant. I actually saw it happen. It was poolside at my house at the time. And I was like, oh my God, damn it. There it goes. So she had the babies and because I, uh, I'm crazy, but also at the time I was going through something in my life and it's like, I need all of these cats. I cannot give them up. And so now I have Dottie, Rose, and Blanche. And uh, they're my babies. They're a pain in the ass. And um, I don't know, man. They're dealing with their own behaviors. I'm like, I don't know. Why are we Why are we using pee pads? You guys are going on nine years old. I don't know why we're regressing like this. But outside <laughs> the house, I have about 12 strays. So I'm that crazy person when I pull in from work. They come out of the woodwork and they all run to my house and I know the neighbors are peeking through their blinds and I don't care because they bring me joy. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Betsy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to um, come be on the podcast and chat with me this evening. Now we'll have a Christmas. I can't believe that it's over. I can, can we just talk for a second how we were both Fezziwigs? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's like a little fun fact. Yeah. Um, we both played the same role on the tour. And so she was, you almost always did East Coast, right? So you yes. were almost, yeah. So she was the Mrs. Fezziwig on the East Coast tour. And I was almost always the Mrs. Fezziwig on the Midwest tour, like at the same time. But there was this one year where there was like a crossover. Yes. I, and we were both on the same tour and you were Mrs. Fezziwig and I was the chestnut vendor. And I think I was your understudy on that tour. That's right. <clears throat> That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy times, crazy times back in, I think it was like 2012. 
a blur. What even it's happened? A blur. But I, I tell you what, though, um, this is almost daily. When I go into, I have a little costume room uh, at Pyramid Inc. When I go in there, like the, the musty smell of the costumes and just with that, you know, the road life of uh, it's grueling, but it's also in a way a relief because you don't have to think. So you just get on a bus. Yep. You get to your gig. You get to the stage. You you put the you know, and you do your thing. You know, and there's you know, you know, you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to deal with the world. You don't have to deal with. You just have to deal with a Christmas Carol, that bubble. You know, and it it was it was a beautiful it was a beautiful bubble, that after five years I had a burst. I was like, no, that's okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh wait, did you do the tour for for five years? Five. Yeah. And then I decided, yeah, that's, that's enough. I also did the tour for five years. I guess that's the magical number. I guess, you know, when that, when that goose is cooked, it's cooked. A goose, a goose, a goose. Done. I'm out. (laughs) And and I feel like this is on on that note. (laughs) Yes. Um, you know, happy, happy, Merry Christmas, everyone in July, in July. Yes. Um, yes. Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas. And now we'll have a Christmas. Love you. I love you too.